Hi, I'm Josh Gandy, and you're listening to No Proof. This podcast is an extension of my journey to discover closeness to myself and the outside world. Through mindfulness, the person I'm becoming since sobriety, and the healthy choices I'm learning about along the way. In each episode, I'll be speaking with someone with ties to sobriety, the bar and restaurant industry, wellness, recovery, or all of the above. There's no proof like the present. All right, you are listening to No Proof. As always, I am Josh Gandy, and I am joined today by Michael Toscano and Nick Hogan. And this is a pretty exciting episode for a lot of reasons. One, it is probably the first episode where I've had two people call in at once. So this is just like a technological display of brilliance here. Uh, And second of all, this is the 20th episode of No Proof, um, which I really can't believe uh, that we've made it this far. And then Michael, you were number one number 10 and now you're number 20 so as soon as we get through uh you know probably 10 more I'll probably ask you back for some reason yeah. <laughs> but uh first of all <laughs> thanks for joining me guys it's great to see you again thanks for having us yeah it's awesome to be back thank you so much so for this episode um I know I've kind of chatted briefly with with both of you a little bit I know you guys have chatted with each other on this but I think this is uh an important topic to discuss um you know i've had both of you on here michael we were just saying twice for you and then nick you joined me with shannon for the mover and shaker episode um kind of understanding like what your path to sobriety was and i really appreciate like the check-ins with you guys and just kind of seeing like how that's you know affecting your life what sort of changes are going on um but for this episode i kind of wanted to touch a little bit more on the kind of day-to-day the sort of job the face of the brand and this episode being about brand work, uh, that type of leadership and advocacy. And I just kind of wanted to hear from both of you about, you know, how you sort of like navigate that role. Because I feel like when I chat with people about, um, you know, the industry, this sort of brand work landscape is one that seems to kind of like put people off the most. It's kind of like the route, the path that uh, if someone is considering sobriety, kind of sounds to them like it seems like the hardest thing to do. Uh, and I think a lot of that is just because you are like the, the, uh, the face of the brand and, uh, you kind of have to be able to turn that on, um, whenever. Uh, so I just want to kind of hear from you guys, uh, uh, about that. Any kind of like opening words? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start if you don't mind. Um, you know, I think this is a super important, uh, topic and obviously something that, you know, I connected with you just like over text. And I just got to see Michael at a BCB, um, which we didn't, you know, obviously get a chance to talk about this, but I know that he's been in that role, which, you know, we have very similar roles. I work for Angels Envy, he works for Woodford Reserve. Um, but I don't really have anybody to talk to about, you know, being a brand ambassador and our role, especially with sobriety. Um, you know, I, I did drink when I started this role and I had a great time. I, you know, took advantage of the expense card, you know, it's what you're kind of supposed to do and, um, enjoyed cocktails with my brand. And then, you know, slowly, um, well, I guess it wasn't slow. I I just chose to stop drinking one day. Um, and I'm very fortunate. My brand has never said anything about it. Like they have never, you know, 
said anything negative or, you know, a why or anything like that. Um, it was just 100% support. And they were even kind of just like, Hey, if you don't want to go have a drink, like go to your account and have food. Like, we don't care. You know, as long as you're supporting that account and you're, you know, talking about the brand, which, you know, we still have that experience with the brands and we, we still fully understand the brands. And obviously we've had a million cocktails and, you know, we're, we're all bartenders. So we know how those cocktails work. Um, you know, we still, we still know the ins and outs of what we're doing. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're still surrounded by cocktails. We're still at the bar. We're still um, dealing with, you know, how do I deal with people that are drinking when I'm sober? And, you know, maybe my patience is a little more thin than it used to be, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, granted, I'm, I'm very happy and comfortable being sober, but I think it's more or less just like kind of exploring um, just those topics and hopefully we can like destigmatize it for maybe, maybe the younger bartenders or the people that are looking towards brand ambassadorship. And I think you maybe kind of touched on a little bit, but like, you know, when you're, you're thinking like sober curious, but you're like, well, how am I ever going to like move up if I, if I'm not drinking, like, how can I be a brand ambassador and not drink? But really you don't necessarily have to. So I think this will just serve as kind of a discussion. I don't really know if we have any like set in stone things we're going to talk about, but I just really want to bounce those ideas off each other um, and just kind of see like what you guys think and what your experiences are. Yeah. And I would say like, you know, I think a lot of it probably for some of those like up and coming folk is, you know, seeing it, um, you know, even when I was getting started as just like, a sober bartender I didn't really think that was possible because of what I see all the time is just bartenders like myself that was just just drinking just partying and just kind of like making it part of the job um, and it wasn't until like you know I started removing that big component of it where I was like wow it absolutely is normal for me to you know not drink and I can still do my job the same if not way better than I had before so I think like you know even seeing two greats like you two out there and, you know, promoting your healthy lifestyle and actively like promoting these brands as well. I think like, that's a really great place to start. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's really just about pushing the boundaries and kind of like you said, like, if you don't have anybody to kind of see set that precedent, you don't know what's possible and that's, you know, evident in almost anything, but, you know, hopefully once you do see somebody doing that, you can like, it's just the new standard. So, you know, I think it's going to take, you know, for, like I said, my brand has been super awesome and hopefully other brands are like that. Um, but, you know, maybe it takes discussions like this for people um, who maybe have like an older school, like sense of thought to be like, Oh, like what, why does it actually really matter? Like if they're drinking or not, so at the end of the day, I take what I'm doing in every aspect, like very professionally and very like mindset forward where like, I want to succeed and I want to, you know, I want to reach these goals. And honestly, like I just sat down and I was like, I can't do what I need to do on a day-to-day -day basis if I'm hungover or if somebody offers me a drink at lunch and then the rest of my day is kind of totally messed up. I understand some people may be able to, to do those things. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to completely quit, but, um, 
there's like a terrible storm outside. My dog is barking at the thunder right now. Um, but you know, for me, it was, it was just making that decision. You, uh, you mentioned your brand a couple times. Um, in what ways have they sort of been supportive? I mean, is it, has it been anything beyond, you know, you mentioned them not saying anything, but like are regular check-ins part of that or, you know, what was that sort of like revelation process with them? Um, I wouldn't say like I sat down and like really like told anyone, but we do have like a lot of like brand trips. So we did, you know, pre COVID, um, and you know, it's it, honestly, it's been a while. So I can't like think off the top of my head. I just know that, you know, I, I, I'm very like transparent. I don't like hide the fact that I like don't drink, you know, I'm just like, Hey, I'm, I quit drinking. And, you know, it was just right off the bat, like, cool. All right. We support that. Um, and you know, on those trips, it was never like, come on, like you don't want to drink. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like, Hey, cool. Like this, they have like really great NA cocktails for you, stuff like that. Um, you know, I was kind of fortunate. I think one of our first trips was to Portland and I had like some of the best, uh, spirit free cocktails like I've had anywhere in the country. And I was like really impressed because I honestly, like, I don't even really drink spirit free cocktails. Like I I'm totally cool. Just like eating food and drinking water or like soda water. But just the fact that like a bar is thinking about the, the sober people in the group. I think you're just showing that you care and you support. And why would you not want to have something on the menu for like 10, 11, 12 bucks that's costing you like a dollar or $2. I mean, it, to me, it's like a no brainer. So um, I don't know. Hopefully I answered your question. I know it's probably not as exciting as um, it could be. I mean, I think it'd be really cool if brands did have like maybe some sort of like guideline or statement in, you know, maybe their, their paperwork when you kind of begin, that's just saying like, you know, committing to uh, supporting, like either cutting back or just totally not drinking, because I think that's kind of like a powerful statement to, to say, and I don't really know anybody doing something like that. Yeah. I haven't heard either. Michael, are you with us? Got lost on the river. All right. Well, we can keep moving. Hopefully he jumps back in. Um, but one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on that I think like may make it a little bit more difficult, or I don't know if you had any thoughts about this, but like, you know, committing to sobriety when you're, you know, kind of locked behind your bar, um, that's your space. You know, you know how to interact with that. You're there all the time, but with uh, brand work, you know, you're entering a lot of spaces that, you know, belong to others, or you're kind of like going in for these educational things, or you're going in for happy hours or whatever. Uh, was it difficult for you to kind of like give that up and, you know, go from, you know, just behind the bar, the space that you've created, the one that you made comfortable into these like newer spots where you maybe necessarily don't have the full control? Yeah, that's like an awesome point. Cause I think like when I first stopped drinking, um, I think that was like the hardest part is like, maybe, you know, you're a bartender, but you're going to like tails or you're going, you're just, you know, maybe traveling anywhere. And there's always that pressure of like, you know, what if I go out to a bar and the bartender asks for a drink and then I have to like have this whole discussion and explain like my whole life story. Um, and you know, I definitely had points where like, 
I wanted to quit and I would like quit for like a week and then kind of like fall back into the trap because I felt like that peer pressure, which is really weird to say, but I think, I think a lot of like sobriety and, and sober curiosity falls on like kind of finding yourself in general as a person and, and being really confident in, in yourself and like your mindset. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it just takes time. And, and I think I didn't really have anybody hold me like accountable, you know, when I couldn't hold myself accountable in the beginning, but once I made that like hard, fast decision, like I just reached a point where I was like, I just can't, I can't keep taking breaks because I fall back into this like vicious cycle. I was like, I literally just have to stop forever, which, you know, I just like fully committed to. Um, but yeah, it's always like, you know, feeling that slight uncomfortable edge, like in those new spaces, whereas like at the bar, you kind of learn the tricks and like how to deflect when people ask you, you know, if you want a shot or, or whatever, but you know, going out is always different, but it's really just finding that comfortability within yourself. And I think honestly, like if you can be totally comfortable in a bar, like totally dead sober, then you like have learned so much about yourself and and you are like at this comfortable level, like with your your personality and in, in yourself. And I think that's kind of like, I don't know, that's like where I strive to be, you know, because like it's a lot just going through your formative years with alcohol as your crutch to not having a crutch and just learning to to be comfortable. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Josh. I've never really had the, the company card or walked in with like a, the case of booze or anything like that. So, um, you know, that's not something I've really got the chance to think too much about. I mean, in, in some ways, like you are the educator, you're coming in to talk about the brand, but in other ways, like I feel like there's a number of individuals that kind of look you look at you as the party starter. I mean, you're kind of like bringing those things with you, you're putting on the event or whatever. Uh, so in what ways do you kind of like curb, you know, curb that and, and kind of say that like I am the educator I am the face of this brand um but I'm here to facilitate for you like how do you kind of remove yourself in some ways from that yeah I think I think it's a number of things like deflection honestly can work sometimes just like brutal honesty but like I said like look I'm here to be a professional like I'm here to do my job you know like I would love for you guys to have a great time if you want to and if you feel comfortable doing that but you know, I got to go to X, Y, and Z after this, or, you know, or I'll just be like, Hey, look, you know, I've worked for this brand for four years. Uh, I don't drink anymore just so I can focus on doing the best job possible. Um, but I'm here like to support you guys and I want you guys to have fun. And like, I've never really heard anybody be like, Oh, that's weird. Like everybody's pretty supportive. If you're just like confident in, in yourself and what you're saying, I, I think Toscana is back and he, probably has some like good thoughts on that as well man i'm curious what he what he you know what his experiences are well i mean honestly right i mean i, I align so much with what you're saying nick as far as you know when i made the decision it took it took six months in this role you know as the woodford reserve brand ambassador in new york with a card you know and a budget and and that expectation of you know facilitating events and 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 being kind of the starter of of the night you know and, and all that that stuff took about six months of that for me to understand that I had a major issue um, that really 
I feel like our industry does a really good job of facilitating um, and almost normalizing some of those behaviors um, and getting out of that and getting into this role. It, it was very, very early on. I was like, if I'm going to be the brand ambassador for Woodford Reserve in New York City, I've got to stop. I have to. There's no other way around it. And, um, you know, I tiptoed too. I tiptoed for a while because I was drying off from tails or, you know, just taking a little break. And, and when I went to the brand and said, hey, I'm I'm going to be, I'm sober and I'm going to stop drinking, you know, it was nothing but support and nothing but support from the community that I, that, that we're in. Um, but I've struggled. I've, you know, we're going to be very candid in this, in this, in this time we're together. I mean, I struggled tremendously with um, being out in bars and the expectation and what comes with the job of, you know, having events and activations and being around it and, um, you know, facilitating something that, that didn't align with my, my personal beliefs anymore that didn't kind of fit in with, with where I was. So um, it was definitely a struggle, but I do, I do believe that our industry, you know, when I said I'm sober and I'm no longer drinking, there were very limited of any instances where, you know, there was pushback or, you know, we don't get it or, or, you know, you're not really an alcoholic. There was none of that. It was a lot of support. It opened up a lot of doors. It opened up a lot of questions from people you know that are in this industry that are still behind the bars that are struggling and, and want to know what, what they're going through is normal um you know how they get out of it i think you talked a little bit about you know the the fear that comes with making that decision the fear that comes with you know trying to change your your outlook or your or your, your behavior when it comes to alcohol and that's something that i think we're, we're dealing with now as an industry is there are plenty of people that are curious but are afraid to take that step yeah, and I think there's such a, a fine line too, and I, you know, it's a, a probably a line that all three of us kind of rode is how do you, uh, you know, how do you sort of like navigate that storytelling of the brand or of the job, and then like can easily kind of cross over into the sort of uh, party territory. I mean, how do you kind of like ride that line of just like you know, you're now like a full promoter of the brand and what they stand for. And then you kind of have that like hard cutoff point that sort of like after hours period where, you know, that's where a lot of like the handshake deals take place. That's where some business kind of like gets confirmed afterward, after the happy hour, you know, not everything happens in that sort of like 45 minute, one hour uh, role that you have as like the educator. Um, so I guess all of this is to say, like, how did you, how did you put up boundaries for yourself? And if you don't mind sharing, what are they? Uh, you know, for me, it was, you know, I'm, I'm here to work this event and when the event's over, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not interested. I, I cannot be out in the bars and, um, you know, going to some of the, our favorite late night spots here in New York and, and out till two or three in the morning. It just no longer aligns with my, with my lifestyle. However, I'm in a much better place to follow up with those people the next day or the next week. Right. I'm, I feel like I find myself being far more dependable, far more on top of, you know, the administrative side of the business, right. Th those, those follow-ups, right? we had a conversation at the event, we exchanged business cards, you know, you do that whole dance. And then I'm the one that's going to follow up with you the next day or in three days at three o'clock when you said, you know, because I put the calendar invite in my phone when we were speaking. So while I, I'm not there to, you know, be on the way to, um, you know, hazy memories and brownouts and blackouts at three or four in the morning with you. I'm also, but I am the one that's following up with you when I said I was going to, 
um, you know, that shows up for the meeting on time, that shows up clear eyed, you know, ready to have a conversation about the brand, ready to talk about, you know, why we are a good fit um, in your place of business versus, you know, I think what we struggle with in our industry a lot of times is professionalism and accountability and, um, you know, that, that, that kind of comes with the, with the territory. Um, I was that bartender for a long time. So I think that, you know, by setting clear boundaries and, and, and following through when I say I'm going to, I feel like that actually gets us access to business that we may not have had, you know, at the end of the day, because they know that they can depend on me and I'm accountable for what I say I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. And that all comes from being sober. Yeah, I think like, honestly, when I looked at, you know, we all want to be in this industry for a long time. We love what we do. So if you have that mindset, then you want to be like, like I said earlier, like peak performance. Do you want to be the best at what you're doing? And, you know, for me, it was looking at like, who did I look up to and who are my mentors and what were they doing, um, you know, at the time, like, you know, you look at, you know, say a cocktail conference, like I'm looking at like Anne-Louise Marquis, she's not sitting there like taking shots with people. She's not like drinking a right. bunch of drinks. She's not there to like get tanked. She's there to put on a memorable experience. And like, right. for me, people like that are just like, I wanted to be like that. I wanted to have that work ethic. I wanted to make sure other people were happy. So, you know, what are the steps that I need to do to, to become like that? And, you know, some people can add drinking to that mix, maybe, you know, one or two, but really at the end of the day, I mean, it, it takes being a professional and, and that just meant, you know, setting boundaries, hard boundaries. And, and for me, like I said, that just mean, meant none. Um, and I kind of sound like a, the ultimate teetotaler, but that's just, you know, that's what worked for me. And that's what aligns with my goals. And like, I'm really, really trying to work on my discipline as much as possible. Like granted, I'm not perfect, but you know, drinking just did not kind of go into that equation with what I want to accomplish in my life. Um, and I think, you know, and, and we both had our, our ups and downs, but, you know, I think you'll get to that point. Or you'll talk to somebody who will kind of like, you know, just spell it out for you. Like you're the one that has to be responsible and accountable at the end of the day. And, and that's what I realized. So, yeah, I think it's, I think this is important too. And I, and I don't think either one of you know this, so this is going to be uh, breaking news on your, on your podcast, Josh. Um, but I've actually left Woodford Reserve um, officially right after BCB um, to take on a role with an, with a non-alcoholic um American whiskey spirit that's going to launch. Um, and it was a, a decision, you know, that came from two years of being sober with a brand. Um, and, and it really came down to, you know, it's not fair to either side, right? You know, I, I could no longer participate in, in some of the activities that a brand ambassador for a spirit company, you know, needs to be participating in. Um, and, and it wasn't fair for me to put myself in positions that were going to jeopardize my sobriety. And it was a lot of open dialogue with the brand and a lot of um, communication and you know I'm very fortunate and can't say enough good things about Woodford Reserve and Brown Foreman and, and what they've done for me over the last two years um, but you know it took two years of my own journey to get to the place where I was finally in a spot where I realized that you know I could no longer be true to myself and, and give 100% to a position that that didn't align with where I was anymore in my life um, but it was the patience to, to go find the right thing for me and and, and you know, not try to make a drastic decision or, you know, force a square peg in a round hole and be patient and, 
you know, always maintain communication with the people I was working with. And it's put me in a position now to where um, I'm able to, you know, to really kind of live, I guess, my truth in some way um, as a sober person representing, you know, a product that I, that I can partake in and be a part of. And so, um, you know, I do think it's important that if there are people struggling <clears throat> with sobriety or addiction or, or whatever that is, um, you know, that they, I think the message that I want to have is that, you know, you've got to look out for yourself first. You've got to, you know, as much as something might be a great opportunity or a great space, you know, I've got nothing but love for the people I'm leaving for this new opportunity. But, you know, I had to be honest enough to say I can no longer do this for myself. And I also can't be what they need me to be um, in that role anymore. And I think that there's a, it's a scary thing, but there's a lot of power in that, too, and, and taking control, you know of where you are and what you're doing and um, you know, excited for that so I just I think it's important that we while we talk about how it works for us or how we've made it work that there's also a point where it just doesn't work anymore and I think it's important that people know that it's okay to to try to pivot or transition away from those things and, and find what what actually works you know I think that even at the end of the day I'm assuming Nick would would agree with this but the, the, the number one priority is your sobriety or your recovery right you just you can't put yourself in a position that's going to cause you to white knuckle that or risk that. And so through all of these conversations at the end of the day, if you know, people feel like they're still struggling and, and aren't finding a way out or aren't comfortable that, you know, that's okay. And it's, it's better to find help that way than to keep pushing through and putting your sobriety at risk. Well, firstly, congrats on the, the new position. Uh, I think that you're, you're absolutely right. It is powerful um, for you to come to that realization. And I think that's really great for, people to hear as well um you know were you kind of like uh you know in your past position like what were some of the things that you were um you know maybe giving up what what, what were some of the things that were like you acting as the brand first and not acting as yourself first because i think that's really important that when you're entering um these different bars or these different educational opportunities that you are entering those spaces as you the individual the sober individual first who has something to offer instead of walking in kind of like label first and uh you know having people kind of forget like who's showing up that day but uh but what, what, what was, what was that like? Were you kind of like giving up some things in a way that you, you now have kind of like full ownership in, in this new role? I mean, it was, you know, a, a lot of it was just some of the regular things, right? Like going and doing trainings and tastings. But early on in my sobriety, I was still doing tastings and I was just spitting into like a julep cup, right? Like that's something now to like, and I put a kibosh on that pretty early on. Cause I just can't even like, even me now looking back at me six months into recovery, like, I don't know what I was thinking, like why on earth I ever thought I, I should roll the dice in that situation where, I, you know, early in my recovery, I could have just swallowed it. Right. Which I didn't thank goodness. But, and then, you know, as, as my recovery progressed and I had more open dialogue with my employee or my, my employer, my bosses, my local people, it was like, look, okay, we're not going to have Michael pouring tastings at any events. We're not going to have Michael behind a bar as the bartender for an event, we'll hire people to come in and bartend and he can just stand there and kind of like talk about the brand and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, we're not going to have Michael um, doing cocktail demos, you know, for trainings, all those things were kind of laid out. Um, and it was great, but realistically in the first three months of New York being open again, I had broken every one of those rules. Right. I had, because we were in situations where we hired 
you know, like um, a promo person to, to work the table that didn't understand, you know, didn't know how to make the drinks. And we had 200 people at an event and there was no way that they could do it. So it was just like, I either get behind the bar and make the drinks or, you know, we crash and burn, you know, or those kinds of situations where it was just like, there would, there wasn't anybody else to pour the samples. There wasn't anybody else that could, you know, and it, so it just became like, that was like a very clear moment of me saying, look, it's not the brand's fault. You know, it's nobody, nobody's wrong in this situation. Just the realization of I can no longer, you know, do these things for myself. And it's not fair to either side. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to them. And so, you know, looking at, at this brand that I'm working with, it's a non-alcoholic spirit called Spiritless 74. And it's, you know, an NA based cocktail. It's something that I can make cocktails with. It's something I can taste. It's something I can talk about. It's something that I can stand behind and represent. And, you know, we have a, we have a no and low strategy that I'll be talking about, but you know, the option for me to do the no option is always there. It's a place that I feel comfortable and, you know, and it's also a point of, I had many people at, at a lot of these tastings be like, well, how can you talk about the brand if you don't drink it? Right. And I can talk to people all day about how I grew up in the Midwest and, you know, Woodford's been involved in my life for as long as I can remember, but they don't really care. You know, at the end of the day, I'm no longer looked at as the professional because I don't partake in it. And that was the thing that, you know, I just understood pretty quickly. I, I needed to, to make a change. I'm glad you were able to recognize that. That's really exciting stuff to hear on your end, Michael. Uh, I'm happy to see you uh, thrive in that. I think you're going to be able to bring a lot to that space. Um, but Nick, it kind of made me think about you as like a collector as well. Uh, I mean, like I, I see you online, you're like, you're always kind of like snagging new bottles up and stuff like that. Like, what is it that kind of keeps you involved um, in that space? I mean, that you're definitely one that doesn't partake in any of that, but the, the collection keeps growing. Um, what's that mean to you to, to kind of keep that up? Oh man, yeah, I think it means I'm a hoarder. Um... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I have a great answer. I think uh, just like, I don't know. I think it's just part of being so ingrained in like the like bartending community. Um, granted, like I've, I've cut back substantially on like uh, collecting bottles, but I think it was just like having this goal of having like the most epic like bar for maybe like the mover and shaker shop that just overflowed into just way too many bottles in general um but yeah i think i got to a point where i was like you know i'm never gonna drink any of this so it's kind of ridiculous to have um and it was like oh maybe like when people come over like i'll i'll pour them stuff but i don't even really have people over anymore like because of covid so it's just like this is almost kind of pointless um but again just like kind of like michael was saying like Kentucky in general is just a very special place, you know, from camp and, and the distilleries and, and Angel's Envy that all those bottles kind of have like a special story to me more than like the, the actual liquid and juice inside. It's just like going to those places. My dog's having a field day with this uh, toy behind me. Um, it's just like the stories behind the bottles and, and all the memories I have. So it's almost like it's almost like a photograph where I can just like, you know, if somebody comes over, I tell them about like Heaven Hill or, you know, my time at, you know, X distillery or, or picking out a barrel with somebody because um, I'm a photographer as well. So I've been to a lot of these distilleries shooting photos. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's how I justify it to myself. <laughs> um, I think 
Michael, we kind of got your answer a little bit on this, um, but I want to kind of ask it a little bit more um, pointedly, but is brand work sustainable as a sober person? You know, I don't know that there's an answer, to be honest, because everybody's recovery is different. You know, I think that um, as, as just as, a, as an individual, is brand work uh, sustainable? I think the answer is yes. I think um, as, as people, you know, come to grips with, with their addiction um, and, and, and look for ways out, it can be, uh, it can be difficult to get through, especially, you know, I, I've said it multiple times and I'll, I'll continue to say it for the rest of my life. I was fortunate enough to work for a brand that was on board from the minute I came out as sober, right? At, from the minute. And so that really helped tremendously in that. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, from the hip, I think, I think there's a lot, there's a shelf life on the job, like anything else. I don't, I don't know that you can continue to be that person. Um, long term and I also you know it's important for brands to have different voices in those roles you know I'm excited to see what the next Woodford Reserve brand ambassador in New York does you know I, I think it's a passing of the torch in some ways and um, so I think it's important that there is turnover there and, and people change and do other things so um, but you know for someone who struggles with addiction you know I think there's a there's a shelf life on anything <laughs> uh, in, in the tendencies that we tend to have as alcoholics is to overindulge in, in all things, not just alcohol. So, Yeah, I'm going to kind of have to agree on that. I think, you know, this is obviously not a, a black or white question, but I think, yeah, there's like a shelf life on brand ambassador roles. And I mean, truly, I think, you know, even for myself, I think going down the route of being sober has just opened my eyes to like a number of different things as far as introspection. Like, you know, I started looking at like all the choices I was making and then all the factors of my life and what I wanted to, like I said earlier, accomplish or just improve. So like financially, like my health, um, you know, my future, just like all my relationships. It basically felt like I was just like a, a intro like video game character. And I finally had control of like, um all these attributes and, and where I was and where I wanted them to be um and then also just like my interests in general so being sober I just like really wanted to focus on my health um not that I was like grossly out of shape or anything but I definitely like had a lot to work on and just thinking more long term than than that short term like narrow point of view where I was like I want to be here for a long time like I'm in a relationship I want to be you know, I want to grow old with this person. And like, what are the steps I need to do to do that? And that was like, you know, get cardio every day. Like, obviously you have been a huge inspiration, like with Strava and stuff. Um, you know, you run, I ride my bike a lot. So just seeing people doing stuff like that and, and myself personally. So to make this actually make sense with what you're asking, like, you know, really just changed my, my whole mindset and like what I want to accomplish. So is brand ambassador work like aligning with those goals? Probably not really. Is it a fun job? Yeah, I still really enjoy it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I want to like be creative in some aspect and I want to like improve people's lives. Is there a way to still do that in, in our industry? I think so. And I think Michael has found that way. And I think like Mover and Shaker has kind of been that outlet. 
Um, and stuff like this has been really helpful because I want to like show people that it is possible. Um, you know, granted, I'm not behind a bar full time. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the brand ambassador work, but I just want people to know that these things are possible and improving yourself is possible. It just takes like finding that spark either within yourself or just somebody else showing you. And, and um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think, I think these discussions are really good because it's just, it's really tough to like think about these things if you don't have somebody else to, to talk them through with. How did sobriety I, change the way that you do the job? Um, Michael, I'm really excited to hear about, you know, the fact that you get to promote no and low uh, at kind of like every um, corner. And uh, it sounds like that's, that was something that you were doing with Woodford as well as kind of like integrating that whenever possible. Is that something that, uh, Nick, I can ask you first, is that something that you that kind of changed the way that you did the job? Like, did you bring sort of like the low proof element into these tastings and things like that as a way of kind of, a, you know, promoting a, a gentler slide into, you know, your, your lifestyle? Um, yeah, you know, I probably should be doing a lot more, but I think just like with me being sober in our like local scene, I think it's been like really well received with other bartenders. And I think it showed them like, they don't need to be like, so gung ho about like partying and stuff. So I think it was just kind of like this like butterfly effect of, um, you know, me and Shannon being sober and a lot of people just like really substantially cut back. So kind of more or less my thing with like my activations and stuff as far as like the trade focus stuff was like, like, hey, we're just like gonna chill out or hey, like I do a lot of like fun trade stuff. Like I'll take them to like a movie theater, like stuff like that where it's like not even in a bar, you know, necessarily. Like maybe there'll be a happy hour or something, but I'm really trying to like feed people and like get them to do like other experiences because I think like one of the like, things I realized is like every USBG thing or, or whatever was just like a happy hour at a bar. And it's like, all right, bartenders just like have a field day at this open bar. And it's like, like, do we not have hobbies outside of the bar? Like, can we go like, I don't know, to like shoot some golf balls or like do something outside? Like, I still think that's like super important. And, and I think some brands are like kind of catching on. I know there's like the Knob Creek run club and some fun stuff like that, but like, I think we're so like narrow-minded on, on our interests as bartenders and, and brands just focus like solely on the bartending. It's like, we're still humans. We still have like hobbies outside of it. And I think we need to celebrate those things. Um, man, I listened to like Alex Jumps. I think it was on this podcast, but she like, she was saying how she like, when, when she first got into bartending and she like was so deep into it, she like almost lost her identity in herself. And I definitely resonated with that, like working 50, 60, 70 hours at a bar, that just becomes your personality, like drinking becomes what you do. And that's just like a scary thing because like I grew up being outside all the time, like boating and, and wakeboarding and I lost all that stuff. So now that I'm sober, I'm like trying to reconnect with those things. Man, Nick, you're... I'm I'm nodding along with you right now, sitting on the East River here in Manhattan, because it's it's such a I it's, so much of myself was lost, so much of myself was lost in this industry early on, and and you know BCD was just last week, and there were some bartenders here from Indiana, 
um, and you know, it, still still trying to live up to what they think the bar industry is, or what bartenders should order at bars, or what how they should act, or you know, so much of that stuff is still it's still prevalent. And I, and I think that, you know, to your point, like there are so many other things to be doing besides going to bars and, you know, buying, you know, around for everybody or showing off everybody's favorite, you know, margarita build or, or whatever the case is. And so I do think brands are starting to catch on to the idea of like, we can have an, an outdoor experience, right. An activation where we do something healthy and it doesn't have to be tied to cases, right. We don't have to tie everything to, the pull through or to, you know, how many cases were ordered or what was the drink featured or, you know, what skews are on the back bar. Like, you know, sometimes it's right. It's okay. And I think COVID helped a lot with this with a lot of brands. I know, I know we were one of them for sure. That was like, let's just do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, can we just do the right thing and, and, and trust that, you know, it's going to work out and that these people will be there for us when we need them to. And, and it has it's paid off in spades. And, you know, it was a huge growing, a growing opportunity, growth opportunity for the brand, but for us as individuals and, you know, something that kind of really reinvigorated me in, in the second year of my sobriety in that position was like, you know, we could do things to try to help as much as we did without having to ask for something back or, um, and I think that was such a huge piece. And then to your point too, like sobriety is, man, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but like, I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend. I'm a better brother. I'm a better son. I'm a better everything, right? Life is so much nicer <laughs> sober. There's a lot less drama in my life. There's a lot less ups and downs, right? There's, there's going to be ups and downs, but the, the swings aren't as dramatic. I'm much more present, you know, in, in the moments, right? I'm grateful for little, you know, you miss the subway train or the train goes down, but like, it's a nice day and I can just walk to where I'm going and like finding peace in that versus being pissed because the train, you know, like things that I just would never have thought in a way, you know, before, or like, I just got done playing softball with Attaboy and Katana Kitten, right? Like baseball, you know, to your point, Nick, about growing up outdoors and you know, baseball is something I've done since I was four years old and I didn't play for a decade. I played until I was 25, 28, and then I stopped playing and it coincided with when I got into the industry and I started drinking and I started partying and I started going down that hole and I didn't have the energy or the space to make, make time to do the things that I loved that didn't center around alcohol and it's been so empowering to come back to a lot of those things. You know, we saw, we've seen more of New York as a state in the last two years than we ever did in the first three years that we lived here. And it's all because, you know, we have the time and, and the, the, the frame of mind to plan those types of things and, and go out and do them. And it's life so much more beautiful in, in that way. And, and it's such a powerful thing. And one last thing is, you know, I had tons of people from, you know, to your, to Nick, once again, to your point about, you know, being a sober pillar essentially in, in Jacksonville and, and how that affects the community, right? I mean, I had multiple people come up to me in BCB that I didn't even know were trying to not drink or trying to control the drinking or, or whatever that would, I mean, I would just say, what's up? I haven't seen you in two years, you know, and they would just offer up, you know, hey, this is what I'm working on and this is what I'm trying to do. And I'm, you know, this is, you know, and I'm trying to get better at this or that, or, you know, you know, two weeks without a drink or, you know, it's just like, it's inspiring. And it's, it's a magical thing to be able to, to have that with people. And then to be able to kind of say like, you know, take your time, you know, be easy on yourself. You know, I, I think there's something to be said about, you don't have to do it all at once. Right. I mean, just because you, I decided to get sober and didn't go back. Right. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to do that. You know, if you go sober for two months and then have a drink, that's, 60 days without a, without alcohol like that's incredible you know what I mean celebrate that like I, I think that it's 
there's so much there's so much joy and so many wins to be tracked along the way that when you think about it as one or none or all or none nothing then it you know it could be daunting and I think it's important to have that message of you know any step forward is a step forward you know and and, and take pride in that be proud of it and, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to see people in industry really start to try to take ownership of their habits and, and try to figure out what what they need to be doing for them not for the brand or the bar that they work for one thing that i want to point out um you know to your point of like people following along uh people watch you you know i'm one of those people that watches you guys as well you know i've been fortunate enough to kind of know you through all these uh phases of your life as well but one thing that i want to point out is that neither of you have missed a fucking step you know, you, this is a really big thing for you guys. You guys, you know, changed your entire life. Um, and every step of the way, I feel like watching along with you guys, you were always there for the brand when you needed to be. You, more importantly, were there for yourself when you needed to be. And I think that that's one of the things that maybe people who are kind of looking at this kind of career path of brand work and saying like, man, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. You can, you can do it and you can do it well, you can do it better. And I think both of you are absolute shining examples of that. And I feel like if anyone has any questions, you two are the one to kind of reach out to, to kind of look to, to kind of know that you can speak for the brand, but more importantly, speak for yourself and never give any of that up. I feel like too frequently, um, any side of the industry is kind of viewed as that sort of like Sisyphean effort. You're always pushing that rock up. And I think what you guys have kind of shown is that you can take a break and you can stop and you can look off that peak of the mountain, wherever you may be. And what you see is going to shock you um, because you're seeing it with true real eyes and you're able to do the work on yourself. And you're able to do the work within the industry. And at the same time, like that is just like for the betterment of all. So I have no question tied to that. I just kind of wanted to give you guys a couple attaboys there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just tag on to that, like, hopefully real quick. But I think, you know, if we're here to, you know, build everything up, I think, you know, just taking things seriously and, and improving ourselves is just going to improve, A, like, the, the optics on the brand and B, like, just the role as a brand ambassador in general, because I feel like that role is kind of ever evolving and, and still like people don't fully understand it or it, it really hasn't found its way. But if we can kind of be those, those mentors or, you know, whatever it is, like our job really is just to uh, everything up and everything around us. So, you know, whatever it is to, to make that happen, you know, sobriety for us, you know, I think that's what needs to happen in, in conversations. So, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Nick, we kind of lost you on like the, the last 10 seconds there, if you don't mind uh, repeating yourself. Oh, man. Um, I don't even know what I said. It probably wasn't important. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, gentlemen, this uh, is the 20th episode of No Proof. It is now showing that it is the longest episode of No Proof. I think this is an important conversation. I think that we're not entirely done with it, but I feel like we've hit some really amazing points today. Um, so I just kind of want to leave this spot to say any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the one thing I would tell, you know, I, you asked me in the first episode, 
what what would you tell somebody who's thinking about you know no longer drinking right what would you tell them and i and i said quite simply just start right just start just start trying not to, you know what i mean and i and, and I, I stand by that but I, I feel like the second piece of that the caveat to that is it's never a failure if you don't succeed right it's just not like you i i i've seen too many people make it for a significant amount of time right whether that's 24 hours or six months and then slip up and then not make it back. And, and I just think that, you know, something I had to learn very early on was, you know, be easy on yourself. You know, not having that one extra drink is a win. And, and I think that people need to understand that that's, that's okay. It's part of the deal. And so I just, I want to leave that as a piece of you're not failing if you're trying. Yeah, I'll tag on to that. I think I spent a year of, you know, taking those small breaks. And for me, it was like, you know, one day, you know, I'm going to not drink this shift and then make it through that shift. And, you know, maybe I drink the next day. And then it was, you know, okay, I'm going to go three days without drinking. And then it was a week and then it was 40 days. And, and after 40 days, I think you kind of have that habit of where you don't even want to drink. Um, and, you know, I think I ended up going like 60 and then having a drink. And, and I did that like two or three times. And then that's kind of when I hit my point of like, you know, I'm, I'm good. I don't need this anymore. Like this is not adding anything to my life. Um, so yeah, I mean, really the secret to it is just saying no, learning to say no and, and being comfortable with it. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of people on your side and, and, you know, you can reach out to probably the, the three of us, if you guys have questions, like I, I love to talk to people and share my story. So uh, thanks for giving us this platform, Josh. It's, it's definitely appreciated. Anytime. A pleasure as always spending some time with you guys. Uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Michael. Great to see you. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Take care. That's no proof. Thank you for listening. And if you liked what you heard or are interested to hear more, make sure to like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music was written and recorded by my brother Kyle, right here in Columbus, Ohio. To pick up an NA enamel pen and other great barware, head to moverandshakerco.com. More info and other shows like the Focus on Health podcast with Alex Jump can be found at fohealth.org. That's focusonhealth.org.